Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're going to fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're going to stand, we stand as giants. If we're going to walk, we walk as lions. Tis the season. Tis the season. And you're thinking to yourself, back to school. Actually, I was thinking back to work. The U.S. Congress, both the House of Representatives and the Senate, have returned from their August recess. I don't really know who else gets a whole month recess, but there you go. Wouldn't a month of recess sound fun? What would you do with a month of recess? <sighs> what was your favorite part of the day when you were a kid? Recess? Mm-hmm. What would that be like? A month of recess. What would you do with that? <clears throat> well, anyway. Um, They're back to work now, and they have a lot of work to do in just the few days of September that they will be in session. So leading the list of priorities is avoiding a government shutdown. They have to pass a budget. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. Um, We bring the mind of Christ to bear on the headline news of the day. And this is pretty much leading, um, leading the conversation in terms of what's happening in the United States of America. Uh, Congress has just 11 working days that it's going to be in session before the next federal fiscal year begins on October 1st. So um, the clock is literally ticking and they have got to get this done. When you think about like the countdown to Christmas and you think about all of those um, assembly required uh, items that you like ordered in the middle of the summer, like it's it's best to get those done before Christmas Eve. Like you're going to be up all night putting um, those things together if if you don't get busy in advance. So TikTok, Congress needs to get busy um, right now. So in in the 11 days that they have left that they're in session, they need to enact all 12 appropriation bills. An appropriation bill is what funds some part of the government. So every government agency, every department um, has to be funded in order to keep the program going. Uh, and so you say to yourself, well, what's on that list? Well, every year, every year, Congress um, has to pass the following year's budget for agriculture, rural development, food uh, and drug administration and related agencies. That's one. Commerce, justice, science and related agencies. That's two. Defense, energy and water development, financial services and general government, homeland security, Interior, Environment, and Related Agencies, Labor, Health, and Human Services, Education, and Related Agencies, the Legislative Branch, Military Construction, Veterans Affairs, and Related Agencies, State, Foreign Operations, and Related Programs, Transportation, Housing, and Urban Development, and Related Agencies. The only one of those, the only one of those that they have passed to this point is Military Construction. So the Senate has passed some version of all 12, but the House only passed the military construction bill. So they have 11 to go and precious little time and serious divisions both within the House of Representatives and between the House and the Senate in terms of 
um, the the bills that the Senate has already passed and the amendments that the House is um, likely to make. So we're not just talking here about the federal workforce, some 1.5 million people. The federal government is the largest employer in the country. Um, we're also talking about all of the people whose jobs are related to, you know, all of those quote unquote related agencies. Mm-hmm. And so now we're talking about 24 million people in the labor force in the United States of America. That's a lot of people. That might be you. Uh, and so there's a tight deadline and a lot of disagreement. And so let's be praying ardently um, and let's be uh, let's be expecting that Congress will at least try to pass a continuing resolution to keep the government funded. But here's you know, they're, they're still facing a real deadline of the end of December. Um, if by the end of December they have not passed um, appropriation bills for every single one of those things that we just listed out, then there's this automatic thing that kicks in and uh, there will be a 1% cut in every single one of this year's budget line items, no matter what. It's across the board. And so, um, well, I guess let me say this. If you actually need something from any office or agency of the U.S. federal government before the end of the year, I recommend you work very hard to get what you need from them before the end of September. I know that doesn't sound very hopeful, but that's my uh, personal uh, analysis of the situation. Bill English is going to join us next. Uh, It's the week of Labor Day, so I'm going to lift up uh, to him. Speaking of shutdowns, um, all of the strikes that are either happening now or are threatening to happen here in the coming days. And he's going to have him help us understand that. We're also going to talk about his book Uh, We're going to talk about chapter five of working for a difficult boss, being blessed with God's favor in the midst of working for a difficult boss. All of that up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Are you a part of a labor union? Have you ever gone on strike? Um, If we're going to talk about shutdowns, including the potential shutdown of the U.S. government, um, looking at the way that striking laborers shut down industry. American Airlines flight attendants have voted to authorize a strike. You know that the Hollywood writers and actors are on strike. Teachers in southwest Washington state are on strike, delaying the opening of school there. And the U.S. auto workers have voted overwhelmingly to give their union leaders the authority to call strikes against automakers if a contract agreement is not reached, and some of the things in that contract agreement are almost certainly unreachable. So um, Bill English is here with us from BibleandBusiness.com. Good morning, Bill. And good morning, Carmen. How are you today? I, I am well. I am well. Good. I thought maybe you could just wax eloquent for a moment about <laughs> free labor or free market economics, unions, labor. It's Labor Day week. It is. You know, uh, unions had their place uh, a long time ago. They did a lot of good things to help uh, curb the abuses of ownership that was uh, both abusive and oppressive towards their workers. You know, child labor laws were passed and better working conditions were um, in in America. But uh, this one where uh, the UAW is demanding a 40 per 46% pay raise <laughs> and a 32 hour work week and getting paid for 40 hours. So basically getting an eight hour vacation every week. Um, this is what happens when unions run out of really good things to do. They start to price themselves out of the market and, uh, they, they think that they're working on behalf of the workers. They're not, 
uh, what they're going to do is eventually injure the companies and injure the customers. You don't help the employee by injuring the employer. You don't help that situation at all. So uh, the unions here, um, I understand why why they're doing what they're doing, but I think they're pricing themselves out of the market. Yeah, in addition to that, forty six percent pay pay increase and um, and moving from a forty hour to a thirty two hour work week, but continuing forty hour pay, they want the restitution of a traditional pension plan, which again, I I don't think is reasonable in the current market environment, um, nor with all of the challenges that traditional pensions are pay, are uh, facing in terms of paying out the commitments they've made in the past. So, um, uh, yeah, and I think that the uh, uh, the automaker market is changing pretty dramatically, and I think that there's a conversation here about automation. I think there's a conversation about electric vehicles. There's just all kinds of things going on. So um, I thought it was important at least to touch on it here as we you know, as we consider the country that we live in and the and the very real prospect of a strike of um, U.S. Uh, automakers in terms of their labor force. So um, when we come back, Bill, let's take a super brief break. And when we come back, I want to jump into Chapter 5 of your newest book, Working for a Difficult Boss. Can we talk about being blessed with God's favor even when we're working uh, for a difficult boss? Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be fun. All right, we're talking with Bill English from BibleAndBusiness.com. Are you working for a difficult boss? Can you experience blessing in the midst of that? Yes, you can. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great faith radio podcasts like mine? Search Susie Larson Live at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. All right, we're talking with Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. He is also the author of several books, the latest, Working for a Difficult Boss. Uh, Bill, let's jump into Chapter 5, Being Blessed with God's Favor in Working for a Difficult Boss. Um, Daniel one nine is the verse here. Now, God has uh, caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. Remind us who Daniel is, the boss he's working for, and the blessings then um, that God poured uh, into his life. Yeah, so so the context here is that Daniel and his friends have been deported from Judah over to Babylon, and they've been selected to serve in the government of Nebuchadnezzar. And so Nebuchadnezzar, like he does with many, have placed them in a three-year training program. And the purpose of the program is for them to be assimilated into the culture and the polytheism of Babylon. Now, just recently, Daniel and his friends have refused to the king's wine and food. So they're living on water and vegetables, and they have refused to trade their faithfulness to God for the excesses of the wealth and the positions that they are going to be having in Babylon. And so as a response in verse 9, we're told that God has caused the official presiding over their education, their headmaster, kind of like the dean of the school, uh, to have favor and compassion on Daniel. And that word favor, Carmen, I know that I, I know that you're familiar with this Hebrew word. It's chesed, means loyalty, faithfulness, and goodness. And it implies a love or a loyalty that's based in a covenantal relationship of, of uh, mutual commitment. And um, I just want to differentiate just for a moment between 
of the favor that God showed Daniel here and his friends and some blessings and curses. Uh, just very quickly, a curse is a lessening or a diminishing from that which one should have or achieve based on the effort that they put out, whereas a blessing makes it easier and easier to achieve more and more uh, be, with the same or similar effort. In other words, you do more with with more than what you should have done with the effort that that you put out. That's a blessing. And so Daniel and his friends, by refusing the king's of food and the wine and the excesses of Babylon, they showed amazing faithfulness to God, and God reciprocated by showing his chesed to Daniel and his friends. And as a result, uh, he created a very positive relationship between the dean of the school in Babylon and Daniel and his friends. I'll, I'll stop here and see what kind of comments or questions that might come up. Well, I think that the um, the reminder of the context is so important, and then this reality that um, there's a there's a there's always this perspective at work at at work in us when we are at work, and so, you know, what's the lens through which I'm looking at my experience and what's happening? And there's just no question that Daniel and his friends could have absolutely just seen the whole thing as a curse the whole time, um, and so I think their perspective on who who they were. They knew who they were because they know who God is and they trust God. Um, and so the faithfulness conversation is, I think, super important here. Um, and being God's person in whatever context, under whatever circumstance. Um, yeah, I just, I love the way you lift all of that up. Yeah, thanks. Um, the how do I say this? Being faithful to God and what he has called us to is absolutely key in order for God to grant us unusual favor, chesed, with with a difficult boss. And being faithful just doesn't mean uh, following the rules. It means uh, making sure that we're not engaging in sinful behavior, especially in our attitudes. And so when if you were to if if the listeners were 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 to to read through Daniel one, they would find that Daniel had genuine respect for authority, and later on we are going to see that Daniel's work product was absolutely outstanding. We know that right before he's thrown into the lion's den in chapter six, and so when you combine respect for authority plus outstanding work product into one person. Those in power are going to be attracted to that kind of a person, and they're going to want that kind of a person to work for them. And uh, I think unusual favor can be granted, but that work product, that respect for authority has to come from a place of covenantal love, of chesed with God first, I think. Um, our, our The work that we produce has to come from our relationship with God. It's interesting um, to think about how long ago Daniel lived um, and the fact that we're still talking about him today. Yeah. Um, because, <laughs> like, that in and of itself demonstrates um, the, the quality of the character of his life. That, you know, he's not just, he didn't just get one verse of scripture. Um, and, and, his, and the story of his, of his life, his faithfulness. Um, and his life was not like, you know, all 
roses and I don't know what would cookies. I don't know what else would like, right? It's just not. His <laughs> life is not a bed of roses um, at all. I mean, you've you've already forecast for us that, you know, something terrible is going to happen. Um, this is the book, um, you know, where, yeah, there is a lion's den. Um, and yeah. And, and other and other terrible things, right? Um, but uh, and and this is a young man who has been separated from his family and his home, his nation of origin, and taken off um, as a captive. So there's just so many things that if we were just to look at like the circumstances of Daniel's life, and we were to look at them apart from the narrative that God is writing over all of human history, we would miss all of this. Yeah, you know, uh, Daniel um, faced death at least twice that we know of, and it was only by God's supernatural intervention that him and his three friends were saved, right? His three friends faced death when they were told to bow down to the statue, and they refused to not do that, and those were the three that were that were thrown into the fire. Um so, you know, Nebuchadnezzar was an impulsive, but a very mean guy, and he didn't have any problem killing people who disagreed with him. And so to say that Daniel wasn't dressed by butterflies in the morning is an understatement. He was, he faced difficulties throughout his life. And by estimates, he he survived, if I remember right, either five or six administrations, kings in other words over a 50 to 60 year period in Babylon and yet served at the highest levels of them. Um, where not all of that is, is recorded. And I know the book of Daniel Carmen is, is really thought of as a prophecy book and it is, but the first six chapters have a great deal to teach us about how to handle ourselves with a difficult boss. Um, Daniel is one of my heroes after studying this and writing the book, he's definitely one of my heroes. And I love that he can be an inspiration to the young and the old alike, because as you say, um, you know, we enter into the story of Daniel when he's quite young, but he serves, um, you know, there's a 50 or 60 year span of time, um, you know, during which he is serving in these various roles and capacities under a number of um, foreign administrations. And he does so each time admirably, and it's and and each boss is hard. Each boss is difficult, um, and he is faithful throughout. So yeah, thank you again for um, for the book, and thank you for the conversation today. The book is working for a difficult boss. You can connect with Bill English and get all the information about the book at bibleandbusiness.com. Let's uh, let's take a moment for Breakpoint with John Stone Street. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Do you have any pets? Do you currently have a pet? Did you have a pet when you were a kid? I made a pet list. I made a, I made a list of all my pets over time. Uh, Ludwig von Schmittenhofer, the third fowler. Ludwig von Schmittenhofer, the fourth fowler. <clears throat> Stories could be told. Tony the Pony, Snipper. Blackie, who was a sheep I had when I was four years old. Uh, dogs I've had over the course of my lifetime. Uh, following Luddy three and Luddy four, we had Bear. Stuart, Chester, Stella, Sassy. We currently have Millie, Cinnamony, and Pepper Jack. Um, chickens. Lots of chickens. Um, you know, chickens on everybody's plate. So <clears throat> you run through chickens pretty quickly, but we name all of ours. 
If it's black and white, it's named Barbara every single time. Uh, Pistachio was our first rooster. We've also had Big Red and Big Yellow. Uh, We had a chicken named Kangaroo whose hips didn't have, like, the right kind of joints, so she hopped everywhere. I got got stories, man. Uh, We've had a number of cows, as you know. Um, Most of them we name after cuts of meat. I know, you might think that's a little gruesome, but it keeps us mindful of what we're doing. So we have Phil, you know, Philae. We have Chuck, as in Chuck Roast. Uh, Sir, as in sirloin. You know, tips. Mm -hmm. All kinds of things like that. Uh, I also, when I was a kid, uh, briefly had a hamster. I... Yeah, that I'm not a varmint keeper. I I know that. Um, I would never own a snake. Uh, we did briefly have two guinea pigs for a period of time, uh, and we had one, 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 one cat named Daisy. So I I have stories. I have paw verbs of my own. Stories I could tell. Wisdom I've learned. Love I've shared with dogs and cats. Oh, I had rabbits. I don't remember their names. I'm gonna have to call my mom and ask her about that. Jennifer Bleakley is gonna join us next. She has proverbs for kids, heartwarming stories about boys, girls, and their pets. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Jennifer Bleakley is joining us now. Um, her latest book, Verbs for Kids, 30 Heartwarming Stories About Boys, Girls, and Their Pets. Jennifer, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's really fun to talk with you. Um, you you made me think about and um, revisit and appreciate every pet I've ever had along the way, um, and animals that you know were uh, you know were for a purpose and for a period of time, but who were precious as well. Um, so thank you for this invitation to consider all the things that we can learn about God from our pets. Oh well, thank you. <laughs> So introduce us to sugar. Like this conversation really starts with sugar. It does. Yeah. Sugar was an outdoor cat that I had. My my parents growing up had horrible allergies. So I I begged for an animal like every Christmas, but um I just didn't quite appreciate, you know, the fact that if an animal with fur was in our house, my parents couldn't breathe. So um I I had a grasshopper first, Georgie, who's in the book. I tell that story of I and to this I can't imagine that I I had such affection for a grasshopper as a child. But uh, I when you're desperate for a pet, you love what you love. <laughs> so I had a grasshopper Georgie for three days. He died and um our neighbors were so brokenhearted for me that they kind of let me start feeding their their outside cat who then became my outside cat. And I called her sugar. Um, I will say the squirrel population in my backyard probably did not agree with that name because sugar had quite an affinity for chasing squirrels, which we'll just leave at that. But um, to me, sugar was just the sweetest, best pet in the whole wide world. And as a painfully shy child, I found it really difficult to talk to other people, even kids my own age, um, but I could talk to my cat and, and I would have conversations with sugar and I would tell her all the little things, you know, that my little heart was holding in. And, um, that became kind of a, a routine for me. And then one Sunday at church, um, our pastor was talking, it was kind of a, a giving thanks themed sermon about thanking God for the gifts he's given us. And, uh, of course I thought about, 
sugar, um, given my age and where I was at that time, I probably also thanked him for, you know, Captain Crunch cereal and stuff like that. But um, I went home that day and I remember kind of just petting sugar, thanking him again for her. But then it kind of morphed into me talking to God while sugar was with me. And looking back, I can see that was kind of the first seed that I think he planted in my heart to look at animals as a way to start to see him and and to encounter the divine through these little animals, ambassadors that he scattered across the planet. So Benjamin is uh, is one of mine, um, and his birthday mm-hmm. is today, and he's 28. Um, and growing oh. up, he had a cat named Daisy. Um, and I remember when my husband is not a cat person. Daisy's the only cat um, that has <laughs> like like ever uh, lived long enough and worked her way far enough into the family, like to be our cat. Wow. And um, okay, Daisy was Benjamin's friend, um, and oh, Benjamin um, walked through some very painful things as a child. Um, and when Ben went off to college, my husband, who, I mean, he has allergies to cats. He doesn't like cats. Uh, (laughs) he told me I could tell this story. Um, he's sitting on the kitchen, kitchen floor under the counter. Um, you know, uh, Indian style clutching Daisy, like she's his dearest friend in the whole world and weeping. Because he misses Benjamin so much. And he's weeping and he says, thank you for loving my boy. Like, you loved my boy. Uh, you know, and wow. Daisy was, yeah. right, Daisy was the one Ben could talk to when he couldn't talk mm-hmm. to anybody else. When, you mm-hmm. know, when, and so I get this 100%. Yeah. I, I think about the um, the therapy dogs that, yeah. um, you know, that Lutheran Church Charities takes into um into crisis sites when something terrible and traumatic happens in a community because people can sit and stroke and talk to a dog when they cannot talk to a person, when they cannot put their feelings um, into into words. And so I love this. I love um, I love the story of sugar and I loved it as the entry point into the conversation. Sugar chases Mm. squirrels. And the next story (laughs) is actually about a squirrel named (laughs) little autumn. So um, the, the, the point of the exercise, and I think that, Jennifer, there's probably people listening who are like, oh, this is positively wonderful to talk about. But <laughs> the connection that you're... And those are my people. <laughs> mm-hmm, and those are your people. Um, and the, but the connection you're making here is the things that we can learn about God and the character of God and the goodness of God and the beauty of God by engaging with animals and by the pets that we have. So talk about little Autumn, the squirrel, and the lessons we learn. So yes, Little Autumn, that was actually a story that happened uh, in our family. And so I, there was this tiny little baby squirrel that had fallen from the nest. And um, my daughter and I had been out at Michael's. She's a big crafter. So that's, if we're not here, we're usually at Michael's buying yarn. And um, we got home and and my husband and son were kind of kneeling down and and looking at this tiny little squirrel and we didn't know what to do. And we called this wildlife rescue and they said, you know, just leave the squirrel. She'll probably, um, she'll probably be the mom will come back and and it'll be fine. If not, you know, they gave us a place where we could take her the next day, but 
um, my kids wanting to, the, the animal lovers they are, you know, there's a conversation of, well, if the mom doesn't come back, maybe we just keep her. Maybe we, um, she can be like our pet squirrel. And my husband, who loves animals, but very much more matter of fact about things, um, was like, no, this is, this is a wild animal. She needs, she needs to be um, with her own kind. And so the mom did not come back. We're not quite sure what happened, but um, we kept um, the squirrel that my daughter named Autumn overnight and, um, and kept her warm in a box and all. And then the next day went and took her to a wildlife rescue. But it, you know, as we were all kind of pondering, um, well, fast forward several months later, the wildlife place actually texted us a picture of Autumn being released um, back into the wild when she was big enough and strong enough. And um, it was such a great feeling that to participate in helping to rescue a little creature and then send them back into the wild that God created them to be. And my daughter looked at my husband and said, Dad, you were right. Autumn was lucky to have you. Um, you know, just that that thing of what we wanted to maybe feel good in the moment and so, oh, isn't this cute? Wasn't what was actually best. And my husband having that longer view. And so she was just that comment, like Autumn was smart to to trust you because um, the little squirrel kept trying to crawl up my husband's legs when we found her. And and so that kind of planted that seed of how often do we do that? Do we try to say, oh, God, I know what's better. I, I know it's best in this moment. And instead, trusting him who has a much bigger view than we do and and leaning into his wisdom. So, um, Jen, we've got uh, Joyce on the text line. Um, Joyce owns a Christian bookstore in Cedar Falls, Iowa, called TJ's. Um, and TJ's Christian Bookstore um, sold out of all of its copies of Proverbs for Kids the first day. Oh my! She says I was at a product oh, wow. show in August and I bought several copies of Proverbs and we featured them on TJ's uh, Christian Bookstore Facebook page and they sold out the very first day that we offered them. So there you go. Oh, you wow. and Joyce are. God bless you, yeah. Joyce and TJ's. Thank you. <laughs> Right, so fun, oh, right? Wow. So if you're ever in, um, if so you're ever fun. in Cedar Falls, Iowa, you gotta you gotta pop by TJ's Christian Bookstore and see Joyce. Well, I right? think for sure. So if you're now listening right now and you're you. in Cedar Falls, Iowa, that's where you should be getting your Christian books. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so um, we're gonna continue our conversation here with Jennifer Bleakley uh, about proverbs for kids. If you've got a heartwarming story about uh, your pet growing up, you can always text me eight seven seven. Nine three three two four eight four. And yes, for those of you who are listening, this is the lady that wrote the book about the horse. And we'll we'll um, we'll remind you about Hopewell Ranch as well. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen.
Yes, those of you looking for Jennifer, you can uh, find her on Instagram, Jen Bleakley. You can also uh, find her on all her socials via her website, jenniferbleakley.com. She's on Facebook as well. Um, Jennifer, folks are asking about uh, an update on Solomon and Project Solomon, um, the true story of a lonely horse who found a home and became a hero. So maybe update us on Hopewell Ranch kind of re- revisit that story um, before we get back into Proverbs. Sure, absolutely. Thanks for asking. Yeah, Hopewell, they're doing, continuing to do amazing, amazing work. Unfortunately, Solomon had passed away many years ago, but um, another one of the horses featured in that book is Mercy. And Mercy mm-hmm. actually makes an appearance in Proverbs for Kids. And uh, and um, in a story, I think it's called Mercy is My Courage. I should know that off the top of my head. But um, they they're doing wonderful work where they have a veterans program where they um, that that is what Project Solomon is, is a program to support veterans and their family. And they also have programs for kids and um, and for families. And they just continue to be just a refuge and a place where people can encounter the the spirit of God and, and healing ways through horses and all the other animals that they have there. So for those of you um, wondering, yes, Proverbs for Kids has some proverbial, at least, questions. How does a penguin build a Lego house? Why are fish so smart? What did the dolphin say when she made a mistake? What did the dog and cat sing at karaoke? Um, Why couldn't the pony sing happy birthday? What happens to a frog's car when it breaks down? And where do rabbits go for breakfast? Um, Jennifer, you want to unpack any of those? <laughs> so that was me um, deciding I was going to do some jokes, some some kid jokes meets dad jokes meets animal jokes uh, as, to support the book launch. So I had a lot of fun creating um, just little images to go with some puns. Um, so my, my favorite was, um, what did the dog and cat sing at karaoke? And it was based on the journey song, um, don't stop retrieving, hold on to that feline. Um, so that that was just me playing around and having a lot of fun and probably annoying people with my love of animal puns. <laughs> That's okay. Animal animal puns are totally welcome here. Um it's it's, <laughs> it's wonderful. Um uh, looking looking forward, um, what's on the horizon? Uh, what's in the works? I feel like I know that you have a forthcoming book as well. I do. Yeah, we have a book releasing next month, actually, about a therapy dog ministry. So um, when you mentioned just how therapy dogs can be such a powerful example of God's love, especially in crisis. Um, I partnered with the founder of Canines for Christ to write a book about the beginning of that ministry. And um, that's called Finding Grace. It comes out next month. And then um, there's another um, Proverbs for Kids due to come out in the spring called More Proverbs for Kids. uh, Tyndale had originally asked for 60 stories And when they started putting all the beautiful photography with the book and building the book, we realized it was going to look like kids were carrying dictionaries around. It got so (laughs) thick. So they decided to split it into two. So there's Proverbs for Kids and then more Proverbs for Kids will be out in the spring. Okay. I think that um, there should be a way for people to like submit their Proverbs. Is there a way to do that? Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm working on getting an actual email for that. 
in the time being, uh, they can reach out to me through my website. There's a, a contact okay. me um, at Jen, um, jenniferblakely.com or my email is jen at jenniferblakely.com. And I oh, that's would super be simple. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So um, yes, I would be so grateful. The more stories, the better. <laughs> So um, Proverbs for Kids is a part of the Proverbs series. One of the things that I really love about this book is these pause and ponder um, pause, not like, I mean, it's take a moment and pause, but it's a play on yeah. the word. So it's P-A-W-S, which I just <laughs> love. So these pause and ponder. So um, if you're listening right now, like these would be the pause and ponder questions at the end of, um, of one of the Proverbs for Kids. What's a favorite gift you've received? Why was that gift so special? Um, what are some of the gifts God has given you? Why is Jesus the greatest gift God has given us? What kind of gift could you give Jesus today? And then there is pause and pray. Um, so, dear God, thank you for all the gifts you have given me. Thank you for the sunshine and the raindrops. Thank you for people who care about me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for Jesus. Please show me what I can give you today to say thank you for all you have done for me. Amen. You are, um, you are not just telling great stories, um, and they're not just offering, as you say, great images like that draw us in to the story. You are also teaching us um, how to have conversations with our kids by, by asking open-ended questions and mm. teaching them to pray even if, you know, we're intimidated maybe to pray out loud or to construct a prayer, um, we're still obligated yeah. to teach our kids to do it. And so I want to thank you for all of those parts of um, every mm. one of these proverbs. Oh, thank you. It was, that was a joy to write. And, you know, I really, my, my deepest prayer for this book is that it would be just a really good tool for families to use as discipleship, uh, as a way to foster conversations about really difficult subjects there. I drew a lot from my mental health counseling background to try to um, just help kids process things like loneliness and anxiety. And that we even, there's a story in there about the loss of a pet and introducing the topic of grief and loss. And um, so that was just something that was really important to me just as a, as a tool to offer families um, just right now, especially with mental health being the crisis it is of just a way to springboard some really important conversations and then using animals that, you know, a, a child might have a hard time relating to another person or just having that one-on-one -on -one conversation, but to do so in story form and especially with an animal can often help to open up their hearts and minds to think about things differently. That's so good. Um, thank you. Thank you for, um, operating in your lane and doing it like so effectively and so well and continuing to do it. Um, there could be an endless number of these and I, and I recognize that. So um, we want to encourage you to not grow weary in doing all the good that God is doing through you. Oh, thank you so much, Carmen. That means, that means a great deal to me. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and now I am going to um, set about um, writing down, um, you know, the story of Ludwig von Schmittenhofer, the third fowler, was Please the three-legged do. <laughs> dog that looked like a fox. Um, you know, and I, I don't even, I don't know if I was alive when there was Luddy 1 and Luddy 2, but there was Luddy 3 by the time I came around, and then there was a Luddy 4, but then that was it. 
So we moved wow. on to, you know, other dog. I know. I know. See, don't you? Wow. I, I know you just want to know about his name, but, you know, that's a story <laughs> for another time. Uh, deal. Deal. You know how to reach me. I, I would love to hear more. <laughs> My favorite thing about that Luddy was um, he was so loyal and he was so patient. I remember when we were, I mean, I don't even know how old we were. Let's say uh, eight and 10, maybe. And he let us dress him up and take him to the county fair in a costume that matched our own. Oh, and I, I don't even know why he let us do that, but he did. And so there you go. Like, oh, that is a loyal dog right there. That yeah. is a very loyal dog. A dog yeah. who knew he was very, very loved. So well done. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, Paul Verbs for kids. But really, anything Jennifer Bleakley is writing is worthy of your time and attention. Uh, today, we're talking about Paul Verbs for kids, 30 heartwarming stories about boys, girls, and their pets. Um, you can reach Jennifer and all of her books at jenniferbleakley.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Oh, yes. Thank you so much for all of your input on the text line this morning. You can still text me. 877-933-2484. Shirley sent me a picture um, that says, uh, pause, P-A-W-S, to smell the roses with a picture of a dog uh, doing just that. And she says, I had a puppy that taught me to do this, to pause and smell the roses. Uh, every time I would put her on a leash, she would just sit and look intently at the trees and the clouds, um, resembling the dog uh, on uh, uh, on this pause to smell the roses. Um, yeah. Um, how do you spell Jennifer Bleakley's name? All right, B-L-E-A-K-L-E-Y. Um, but for the person who asked that question, I am going to respond to your text message uh, with a link to her website so you don't even have to type it again. Um, all right, so um, thank you for the gift of your time today, for the gift of this conversation. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Could you speak that blessing over someone else today? Do you know someone who could use some peace today? Somebody who needs to be reminded that God is not just watching over them in some lurky, weird way, but watching over them with the absolutely most intimate of care and concern? Somebody who needs a word of blessing today? Could you speak this blessing over someone else today? The Lord bless you and keep you. Do you know someone who needs to know that God is their keeper? Um, in the most positive of ways, that they are a kept woman or a kept man or a kept child? That they are a keepsake? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. And be gracious unto you. Do you know anybody that needs some grace today? Could you be the one who extends it to them? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I encourage you to go and sow peace today. Be a peacekeeper. Be a peacemaker. Be a peace sower as you cultivate the conversations of the day giving glory to God and making the name of Jesus famous everywhere. Go be shiny, my friend. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. 
If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.